Smarties, today we discussed some very specific avoidance tactics that learners use when dealing with large multi-step projects or essays or the big things that can cause the learners that we work with stress. As we discussed, learners will often focus on fluff, things like style and formatting, over content because it's the perfect way to say, I've started on this without actually doing anything meaningful on the project. I actually shared the content of this episode with a client and he said, I feel really attacked, Rachel. And I said, what I think you mean to say is, I feel really seen, Rachel. And he agreed. This is all a result of the impact of executive functioning skill weaknesses and the overwhelm a ton of learners in educational therapy experience. Today, we discuss why learners focus on the wrong thing and what to do about it. If the learners in your life are like the learners that we are talking about in today's episode, go ahead and sign up for a phone call on our websites. CAP Educational Therapy Group is located in Beverly Hills, California and virtually everywhere. And we focus on learners with ADHD and or executive functioning skills challenges. And you can sign up for a phone call on our website, www.kappedtherapy.com. That's CAP with a K. Or you can sign up for a phone call with Steph's practice, My Ed Therapist, which is in Redondo Beach, California and Manhattan Beach, California. And virtually everywhere in Steph's practice does all the things. And you can sign up for a phone call on her website, www.myedtherapist.com. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 260 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap. And today we are talking about learner avoidance tactics. This is a big one. This is a big one. I do want to get into it, but you and I haven't had a real opportunity to catch up in a minute. So I need you to download me on what you're watching. Oh. What did you spend time watching this weekend? It was a very cold and rainy weekend in LA. There was not a lot of going out. Yep. Yeah. We weren't leaving the house very much and we are recording this episode way in advance. So (laughs) it might not have been what actually happened in LA last weekend of this episode release, but what did you watch? Movies, Restaurant Impossible. Okay, what's that? Robert Irvine goes in and he like fixes the restaurants that are struggling. This sounds up my alley. It's good. Because I really like telling people how to fix things. <laughs> facts, facts. What else did I watch? <laughs> Some Married at First Sight. I'm up to date on that now. My 600 pound life. Where are they now? You were really going from streaming service to streaming service. You know, it was a not go outside because it was pouring rain and windy situation. I did a lot of baking. Okay, what'd you bake? Well, I tried to bake some bread that... It didn't come out right? It didn't come out right. Even in our bread No, I was freehanding it. I was trying to make like an artisan loaf. Uh, Gluten-free, no less, which is why it's more complicated and it doesn't work as well. Okay. But I made cookies and I did a lot of cooking. Yeah, it sounds like it. I made some fancy dishes like chicken marsala and stuff like that, so... Okay, I would like some photos of that (laughs) in my text messages (laughs) later today. What did you watch, Rach? Well, I have a 19-month-old, so there was a lot of Elmo. 
uh-huh. in Sesame Street uh-huh. this weekend. Uh-huh. But as we've explained to Elliot, Elmo only works in mommy and daddy's room. Like it can't go on the TV in any other room uh-huh. because we want to lay in bed. Yeah. And so <laughs> that's where Elmo is in our house. That's where Elmo thrives. He thrives in our bedroom. <laughs> and then we did end up having to go out because Elliot needed a haircut. Did I send you the pictures of his haircut? No. I will. I was very proud of him. He did not cry this time. Oh, good. But I also put on Wheels on the Bus on YouTube on my phone. Perfect. From the start of the haircut, which I did not do for his first haircut because I didn't know. And then we had to go over to a friend's house to grab something. And it was not raining this whole time, but we had been told that it was hailing further east of us. Oh, it hailed here. It hailed when we were at our friend's <laughs> house as well. It was definitely a hang around the house, kind of reset the house, try to keep Elliot busy weekend. It's like when you're a teacher and it's inside lunchtime. Yes, it's exactly <laughs> that. And you know, you throw Fritzy into it. Yeah. Who will hide because he doesn't want to wear his raincoat or go out in the rain. Absolutely. And so... <laughs> And Adam will say, like, Fritzy, let's go. And Fritzy will just come closer to me as if I'm going to protect him. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to go out, yeah. bud. So. Yeah. It was just one of those weekends. Yep. But let's just keep in mind it's still raining and cold. And and I'm in a tank top. Yeah. Let's take it. Getting into it now that those of you who skipped that whole thing. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's all good. So students focusing on the wrong thing. Why do they do that stuff? Listen, I'm guilty of it myself. Mm -hmm. The feeling of getting started is a relief, even if it's not getting started on the right thing. Technically, it's a good point. You've gotten started. If you're focusing on formatting. So like an example of this is like teachers love to assign projects that learners have to do through Google Slides. And there's a great opportunity to be creative and Mm -hmm. make things pretty in Google Slides. But what that does is... A lot of our learners will be like, yeah, I started this and great, show me. And they've created which template they want to use, right? Like they've uh-huh. just, and there's no content in it. But they start here because they're trying to start. Yep. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. They're trying to start. And creativity is stimulating and immediately satisfying and engaging. Yeah. The instant gratification. It's like when you get lost on Canva. It's so fun but you shouldn't do it. So here's the thing. It's avoiding the stuff that's hard, but still feeling like you've gotten something done. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about why it's hard. On those Google Slides, let's just use that as an example. Well, there's a lot of reasons why these types of assignments of, we're talking about essays and we're talking about multi-step projects Uh and those kind of things that go over the long term. And sometimes it can happen even in one class that they're asked to do something creative. For sure. Or one homework assignment. I had a student that needed to do a quote and draw a picture and color in middle school last week. And it was very much trying to go the creative route first and then pick a quote. Okay. (laughs) Which is not what we did. But that was the initial idea. Right. And, you know, so they do feel like they're accomplishing something because they are doing part of the assignment. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. When you ask them about it, I worked on it. Well, yeah, you did. Mm -hmm. But it's also kind of the philosophy that we follow of doing the hardest thing first. Right. When you have the most brain power, when you feel like you are the most armed and not using all that gas for the fun creativity part. 
Exactly. And so the reason learners are doing this is because one, they want to get started. So it's a good impulse. And then two, sometimes there's a misunderstanding of the assignment. They know that they don't understand it, but they don't know what to ask to get clarity, or there is a denial that they don't know what's being asked. And then there's also the fact that like the stuff that we're telling them to do first is the meaty part of the assignment mm-hmm. that often involves writing and critical thinking. And it's just frankly harder. It is frankly harder. But there's also the idea of if I get started, that maybe I'll understand it as I work on it. Maybe I'll understand it then or know what I'm supposed to do because I don't know quite yet, but I need to get started. Mm-hmm. So there's that as well. And this is one of those things where a lot of students benefit from seeing previous students' work or going off of a template or something like that. That's extremely helpful. That was definitely our experience in grad school, wasn't that with you? A hundred percent. I do much better when I know what it needs to look like. When we're talking about writing, when it's an overwhelming assignment, I would just sit down and it would just... That blank page anxiety. It would be rough. Which we talk about in a very early episode of Learn Smarter. So we'll go ahead and link that episode. Now that you're like, yes, that is my learner. Or yes, that's me. What do you do about it? And I think on some level, it's all of us. Here's the thing. You learn to ask for help when it feels overwhelming when you're struggling. As a student, you don't always know what to ask for help with, right? But we each have our things that we need help with. There are certain things that you don't even want to attempt without me telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. I have zero interest. We're talking about essays and assignments and projects and homework and things like that, but this could really be with anything. It's like when you need to do something that you don't want to do and you do everything but that. So Let's talk about what to do about it. Okay. So the first thing is sort of the metacognitive component of this, which is making them aware and making, if it's you, making yourself aware of what you are doing and understanding that it is an avoidance tactic. Let's remind the audience, metacognition is being aware of what it is that you need to know or do. It's the awareness. It's your higher level thinking about your own thinking. Mm -hmm. And so when you're working, this is one of the tremendous values of working with an educational therapist is we are providing that metacognitive perspective back and reflecting it back to the learner. It's one of the reasons that working in conjunction with a partner is so critical Mm -hmm. in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways to have that sort of reflection back. But with the learners that we work with, we make them aware, which is what I was doing when I mentioned in the opening of this episode that I had a conversation with a client about it. I'm like, look, look at this episode that Steph and I just wrote. Uh-huh. And they're like, why would you write an episode about me? <laughs> I was like, I wasn't. Believe me, I wasn't thinking about you. I was thinking about yeah. every client in our combined like 20 years of experience at this point that we have worked probably, with. Probably more than 20 years, actually. Yeah, it's more. I got 20 on my own. Yeah. <laughs> so... I think looking at some of the things that learners are given are proper breakdown of each step. And so this is one of the scaffolding things that teachers often do, but kids aren't really clear that that's what the teacher is doing. It's the first you need to do this and turn that in. Then you need to do this and turn that in. So it's really breaking down within an assignment. What are the steps? What are the requirements, right? And so creating 
some sense of, oh, I know what I need to do for that part of it is extremely helpful when you sit down to do an assignment that has the opportunity for beautifying. So if you make it a rule that beautifying is the last step, that's where the fun comes in. Rather than starting with the fun, let's end with the fun. It's like the dessert, right? You eat it at the end, you don't eat it first. So I think that really talking to them about what it is that their strategy is going to be, what it is that they're really being asked, and getting clear about that, about how to ask, what to know, what do they really need to do? What does this really mean in this instruction, the rubric or whatever it is, that can really help them really start where they need to actually start, not where they want to start. This is the whole point that we talk about over and over again is that they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So we're giving them, okay, this is what you do first. And this is specifically what you don't do first and you do last. This type of thing where they are starting with the fun part first, it's going to happen again and again and again. And this is not one conversation. This is incremental growth and it will get to the point where like I sometimes have learners who are like sneaky about it and like they don't want to show me. And I'm like, well, now I know what you did and it's fine. But at least you were, the win is that you knew that that's not what you should be doing first. And maybe you just needed a little extra push or a little guidance or figuring out what questions to ask. And we do that together right now. And that's the win. So just remember, you get to decide what success looks like. If you're a therapist working with your learner, if you're a parent working with your kid, if you're a teacher in the classroom, we're looking to, as best we can, mark those small incremental changes even in higher level of metacognitive awareness with our learners. It really is a gradual process for growth. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. And every step you take is a step towards the goal. Every step you take. (laughs) She actually sang on the podcast. (laughs) Have a great week, Smarties. (laughs) Have a great week.